We're going to now play an interview I was able to record yesterday. Former general manager of the Colorado Rockies, farm director of the Cleveland Indians. He's now with MLB Network, and that's my friend Dan O'Dowd. And we're back on the bat around, and as promised, I had a chance to chat with uh, Dan O'Dowd, former uh, general manager of the Colorado Rockies, was a farm director with the Cleveland Indians, and many, many years ago worked for the Baltimore Orioles. He's now with MLB uh, Television. Dan, great to talk to you. Thanks, Dan. You too, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we're uh, we're just about ten days away, or eight days away from the uh, the trade deadline, the the waiver trade deadline, the August thirty first deadline. Um, what teams do you think really did themselves well going into the August first time period, and what thing? What teams do you think kind of blew it? Well, looking at the National League, you know, I think the uh, the Diamondbacks did a wonderful job improving their bullpen. Uh, I love the acquisitions. They took a strength and made it a further strength. Um, I also like the Escobar, you know, acquisition. The Cardinals kind of remade themselves completely, Stan, and in a younger kind of way, and they've gotten so much more athletic and better, especially defensively. I love the Cubs' acquisition of Hamels. And I like Atlanta's acquisition of Gosman. I think he's a kid that needed a change of scenery. I think the A's did a wonderful job um, at fortifying what was already a really good strength since then. I love the acquisition of Fires and Rodney. Uh, I thought Cleveland needed to shore up its bullpen. They did that with Hands and Simber. And, uh, I mean, the Yankees' results haven't been good yet. Um, but, I, you know, I don't think anybody can question their acquisitions. And Britain really hasn't performed that well yet. Clubs for me, you know, the Dodgers, they got Machado, but they missed in really shoring up. Um, their bullpen stand just has not been the same bullpen that they've had in other years. And I couldn't really understand Milwaukee's strategy. They they acquired bats, but it was like trying to fit square pegs into round yeah. holes, and they didn't do anything, you know, to improve uh, their rotation. So those were kind of the bigger question marks for me at the deadline. And the Philadelphia Phillies, while they tried mightily to acquire Machado, and then I think they were in on Britain, they weren't able to strike a deal with uh, Andy's former club, and they've kind of faded where Atlanta has moved back in front of them. They have. You know, I still think there's some ground for them to make up. I do like their acquisition of Ramos. Yep. Um, because they needed to improve their offense. They just have not hit the ball for most of the year, and uh, they've not caught the ball exceptionally well, too. They've added Cabrera, who's a good offensive player, hasn't played well there, but he's not a great defender, and he's really not the great defender at the position that uh, they're playing. There wasn't a lot out there for the specific needs that the Phillies needed to shore mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking with Dan O'Dowd about what took place at the trade deadline and what might take place in the next week. Dan, uh, I look at the Dodgers, and they're in a tricky spot. I guess the fact that they've fallen back as far as they have could aid them in a waiver deal right at August 31st. But what happened July 31st? They were rumored to be on the verge of picking up Shane Green, who is exactly who I thought they needed. Yeah, me too. I mean, anybody that has 20-plus saves for the Tigers, you know, a team that's struggling to rebuild right now that has got his kind of fastball and his kind of spin rate too, it's, um, it's a little bit of a mystery. You know, when you go all in to get Machado, you think you're going to finish it off at that point in time. You know, Stan, they're a perplexing club to me. Yep. Uh, they got 106 run differential. 
but they're only 32 and 33 at home. They play much better, actually, on the road. They've not strung together anything of consistency. Manny hasn't played well uh, in L.A. I mean, the, the two teams in the National League, to me, are their enigma, the Dodgers and the, and the Nationals. Very difficult teams to figure out I, this year. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, the the St. Louis Cardinals made a move that I think left a lot of people scratching their heads about three and a half weeks ago. They uh, let go of Mike Matheny. Uh, you know, most people think he's one of the top seven, ten managers in the game of baseball, and they brought in somebody who's a kind of a baseball lifer, Mike Schild. Uh, they've really gone on a tear and now have, in fact, moved into the National League lead in the wild card uh, and are in front of the Milwaukee Brewers. Tell us a little bit, yep. what do you know about Mike Shield? Well, first of all, I think in the decision to let Mike go, couldn't have been an easy one for that organization. Um, in 2009, um, the hardest day for me in the game was when I let Clint Hurdle go. and Because uh, Clint was a dear friend of mine, and they had done so many good things for the Rockies. Uh, we went on a similar tear, though, with Jim Tracy as our manager. Sometimes, Stan, a change of voice is just needed. Mm-hmm. The dynamics of that are unexplainable, uh, but sometimes it's just needed. In Mike's case, there's tremendous familiarity. Um, he's been in the organization a long time. He's got great relationships with the people above him, which is so crucial in that ro- role. But he's got trust and respect from all the kids below him because he had most of them within their system. And for me, it's great to see a young you know, a guy like that get rewarded for all his years of service within a particular organization. But he's definitely taken advantage of it, too. He's He's kind of settled their club. In, in, in defense of Mike, they kind of had too many players that weren't performing, that weren't great defensive mm-hmm. players that Mike kind of got stuck with trying to soothe egos. You know, believe it or not, when Dexter Fowler got hurt, it's turned out to be a blessing for him because then now when they traded Tommy Pham, uh, they got some good young arms back, but they've allowed to play Harrison Bader in center and now Neil and Wright with Fowler's injury, and they've kind of taken off a little bit. They got Martinez you know, off the field defensively, there's really no place to hide them mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, and they've settled their infield. And so I think Mike's done a good job, but I think injuries and some of the trades have really helped Mike too. So you've been in that situation before. When they pull the trigger on that, they're obviously hoping, John Mazalak and his general manager are hoping to get out of it what they have, which is the team has gone on a spurt over the last right. 20 games. Do you, do you think they felt it was going to happen or it was necessary for it to possibly yeah. happen? I know, Stan, from my standpoint, I felt like it just got necessary that whatever reason Clint's voice has just gotten lost in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. the dynamics of that. You know, you got to understand that as a leader, you're around the same group of people year in and year out for pretty much eight months a year. And it's... Um, the relationship is at times a strange one, and there's a lot of dichotomy to it. And, uh, you know, if you have strong personalities, at times it can lend itself to great leadership qualities, but at times it can lend itself as kind of being lost a little bit in the white noise. And like I felt even my own position, Stan, I do think there's a shelf life yep. in every one of these jobs within the game because of the challenge of it and the grind of it. Um, I do think you just reach a point in time where change is good for both parties. Yeah, Brian Billick used to say that here in Baltimore. They thought it was like the nine, ten-year mark. It was a, it was the right time to to be gone. Uh, I want to talk about three managers in vastly different situations. 
Jim Riggleman took over a team that was three and fifteen. They're now fifty six and seventy two. You do the math, and they've been pretty much a five hundred club under him. Does he have? You know, do your sources say that he's got a heck of a chance to stay in Cincinnati in that job? You know, I don't have the sources. Only the insiders do, and that's certainly not my area of strength. You know, I, I would think based upon performance, but it goes beyond that, and it, you know, it goes beyond where are the where are the Reds within their development of their culture at this point in time. Is there a sense of accountability? Uh, what are their work habits? Do the young player the young players improved on a daily basis? And the lifeblood of every organization is your ability to create authentic communication. So, what is their communication model? up and down the organization. A manager can be evaluated in so many areas other than just the wins and losses of their team. Two managers in the American League, they were very close in 2014, battling to get to the World Series. The Royals did, the Orioles didn't. Uh, Needless to say, you know what's happened since then. Do you think, I'm just asking a gut feeling, do you think Ned Yost and Buck Showalter are back at the helm of their respective teams next year? I don't know. I mean, again, that's not, it's hard to know, Stan, if you're not there. I will say this just from my experience is I think it's extremely difficult for a manager that has gone through pinnacles of winning seasons mm-hmm. to take a step back objectively, especially with a lot of years of experience and go through a challenging rebuilding process. Um, one, I think you sometimes are a little jaded in your point of view on how things should work based upon what you experienced before, but what you experienced before may not be anything of what you're about to go through now. And it's just a different level of, uh, energy that takes to go through a rebuild that's different going through teams that are kind of built to win and be competitive night in and night out. So I don't know what the decisions will be, but I know for me anyway, it's very challenging to have managers go through both of those period times within an organizational, you know, within an organization's history. Hey, I'm looking at one other team, the Los Angeles Angels. About three weeks ago, Ken Rosenthal wrote a piece in the Athletic right. saying that Mike Sochi, after all these years, is going to step down, and he basically said it's horse hockey, uh, to use the words uh, from the TV show Mash from Colonel Potter. Uh, I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at his age now and where, how long he's been on the job. If he were to step down, is Joe Girardi a good fit there under Billy Epler? I don't know what Joe and Billy's, uh, Billy's relationship was like with okay. the, um, the Yankees. I had a, I've had an opportunity to work with Joe at the network. I think he's outstanding. Yep. I think he's got a great baseball mind. To me, he's been very engaging to work with. Um, you know, very open-minded to really a, a, a guy who wants to be um, constantly learning new things, you know, ask great questions. So I think Joe would be a good fit in a lot of different places. All right. We're talking with Dan O'Dowd. We've got about four more minutes with Danny. Dan, uh, this offseason, Adam Jones, um, he, he turned down a trade to the Phillies at the deadline, uh, the 31st deadline, and we think he's going to stay put. Uh, although there's a small chance it could change. Uh, the Orioles will have a tough situation with him. He's right at that age now where those guys don't get the long-term contracts after last year. Is is he going to be desired on the market, and where do you think the price point is for a player like that? 
Uh, I still feel Adam is a good player. He's also a great influence in the clubhouse. I mean, he's one of the true professionals within the game. I thought he took moving to right field with so much class and dignity, never calls to stir at all. I really didn't have a problem with him turning down deals only because, you know, unless you walk in Adam's shoes, it's very difficult to criticize anybody. Certainly, I mean, I'd want to win at the stage of career he might be at. But he may have other things going on in yep. his life, and good for him that he loves the city of Baltimore as much as he does. I say this with every veteran player fan. Um, if you're open-minded to a short-term deal and money is not your driving object and you make the industry well aware of that mm-hmm. and you make the industry aware of the fact that you understand the role that you're in at this stage of your career, there'll be a lot of interest. If your approach is that you're the same player that you were 10 years ago, uh, then you're probably it's going to be a, a market that's going to be less than desirable. How's the market going to be for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper? Will it be as brisk as you would have thought, say, 17 months ago, 18 months ago, or, or are they in for a, an awakening of sorts? Um, I still think it's probably going to be a small market to begin with. I, I think there's a lot of clubs that have the wherewithal to take on those type of contracts over a – you know, a long period of time, you really have to look at your overall payroll and be comfortable the percentage of payroll that particular contract is going to end up. Both are exceptionally talented player in the prime of their careers. I think they'll do really well, but I think it was going to be a small market to begin with. All right. Last question for you. You, you lived here in Baltimore. You worked for the Baltimore Orioles for a while. Yep. Uh, clearly, Peter Angelos' influence on his organization is less and less about a month ago, in rapid fire, the Orioles announced that they were kind of rehiring Brooks Robinson in a ceremonial post and then followed it up quickly by announcing the same thing with Eddie Murray, but maybe a little less ceremonial and maybe Eddie will get involved a little bit. How important do those moves resonate in a town like Baltimore? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Stan, I, I think the history of your franchise – to stay connected to the history of your franchise, to players that represented that history, to great human beings like those guys, I think that is such a strong connection to your community and to the young players that you're trying to develop through your organization to understand what the organization was and what it has a chance to be again. Uh, because, you know, the past is the formation of the life experiences of every organization. So to have those players involved again – I think it's just wonderful for the organization. So I'm asking you a hypothetical before I let you out of here. Uh, there's there's a certain symmetry to me to bringing in Brooks, bringing in Eddie, and re-signing uh, Adam Jones here, be it on a one-year or maybe one in an option. Is there a place for an Adam Jones on a rebuilding team if he's if he's receptive to uh, the dollars that fit the, the rebuild? Yeah, two, uh, two parts of an answer to that question. Number one, that's up. The first part is the biggest thing is if, if Adam is yep. up for that. Number two, as long as, as he's not standing in the way of an opportunity for a younger player that has a chance to represent your future mm-hmm. uh, in an everyday at bat standpoint, because the only way you get kids over the hump, you have to commit to them at some point in time to let them play through their struggles of being a contributor and so they can be a winning player. Um, so it'd be those two characteristics that would play out in place. And that just gets down to having authentic communication with yeah. Adam 
and understanding where you're at in the process of your own young players of who you have in your organization. Always appreciate the time. Uh, you can watch uh, Dan O'Dowd on MLB.com and MLB TV. By the way, I want, you know, privately I sent you a text about three weeks ago at the trade deadline. You were the only one on that panel, and I, w- I don't have to name the others, but that really represented the right thinking about uh, Roberto Asuna's acquisition by the Astros. You didn't badmouth him, but you said that th- that what he's accused of or what he's involved in really superseded the the whether it helps Houston win or not. It was a much more important dis- discussion, and I really applaud you for thinking uh, the right way, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I, I was pretty passionate about that, and quite honestly, not real happy the way I handled it the night before when it was when the deal was announced, and I actually couldn't sleep that night whatsoever. Did not know um, that, but when I heard you that day, you you hit all the right notes, really. Thank you so much, Dan. Again, thanks for having me on the show too. You do a great job with your questions, and I love to talk to the people in Baltimore. It's a great baseball community. All right, Dan O'Dowd. Thanks.